You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. wants us to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking and overcome fear so that people will see that silly grin on your face and go, why are you having that stupid grin on your face and at this terrible time? Because I know God's in control. And all this is just a blip, but it don't matter. It doesn't matter. And then John says in verse 19, this powerful, powerful statement, we love him because he first loved us. Fear can be a lot of things, a hindrance, a burden, an obstacle, sometimes even a motivator. Today on A Sure Hope, Pastor Dave continues discussing the love of God and how it overcomes fear. The Lord will give us challenges and burdens in our lives, but we're instructed to call on God for strength during them. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 John chapter 4 as he continues his message, Love Perfected. Does not envy, isn't self-seeking, doesn't have an inflated ego, doesn't insist on his own way, doesn't get easily provoked, doesn't think evil, and doesn't rejoice in iniquity. This is perfect love. This is the love that Jesus showed the world. This is exactly the love that Jesus showed the world. When he was beaten to within an inch of his life, he never reviled against them. He accepted everybody into his corner. He healed those who didn't even believe in him. He fed those that couldn't care less. They were only there for a meal. But he continued to empty himself and pour himself out and pour himself out to the world. So the question is, if there is this perfect love, and John is saying that love has been perfected among us, how? But John has already told us in 1 John 4.12, No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love has been perfected in us. 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and believed that the love that God has for us, God is love. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. So it's by abiding in God constantly that we see this love and this love becomes perfected in us. And we know that this love is perfected in us because we have been given the Holy Spirit. Again, 1 John has told us that. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Holy Spirit dwells in you. And if you ask for the Holy Spirit power so that you can do the things that God has called you to do, for that boldness, you pray, and the Holy Spirit comes upon you and gives you the power you need. When you look at it this way, it becomes really simple. Well, it really does. Because Galatians 5.22, what's the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, etc. John says that the love has been perfected among us that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Where does this boldness come from? The Holy Spirit. This boldness is confidence. It's not brash. It's not brazen. As we experience God's love perfectly flowing towards us, 
we grow in confidence towards him. We grow in that confidence and we show his love to each other. As I said, our love is always to others becomes a witness and it's not always verbal. We want to run out and witness with somebody with the Bible and go, here, you got to believe this. Bam, bam, and hit them over the head with it. You got to believe this. No, they're more interested in your life. They're more interested in looking at you and seeing what you're doing. And if, you're, if your life is matching your words, you say you love me, show me. And make it real. Paul said, we're the epistles written on the hearts of men. As we live out our faith in front of others, they see Christ in us. And they see his love perfected in us. And they see the change he has made on our lives. And because of that love that they see, they are drawn to him just like you were and I was. We're drawn to God because of the love. Our lives become a dynamic witness of love of God through Jesus Christ. And when we speak, our talk will back up our lives. There won't be a mismatch. I mean, that's what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. To be a Christian means to be Christ-like. And that name, Christian, was given to the church by pagans, by non-believers, because they saw Jesus in the people, and they called them Christians. It's going to be noticeable. People are going to see it in your life. And, you know, we have a lot of favorite scriptures, and for me to tell you which one's more important than the other, I couldn't do that. But one of my most favorites, and I know Mark and I have talked about this before, we even went to a conference where this was the main thing. The, the apostles are in front of the Sanhedrin, and they're being railed at for teaching in the name of Jesus, and they're being railed at for doing these things, and they're standing there. And look what it says in, in verse 13 of chapter 4 of Acts. Now, when they, the Sanhedrin and the council, saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated, untrained, and they marveled. And they realized they had been with Jesus. Amen. You see the common denominator here? It was Jesus in their lives that was showing these guys who were sitting in judgment on them who they were. They marveled. Look at these guys. These guys don't know the scriptures. They didn't study the scriptures like we did. How dare them talk to us about the kingdom of God? And somebody says, wait a minute, they're with Jesus. Ooh. Ooh, yeah, they were with Jesus. So what is the secret of our boldness? Where does boldness come from? Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. Boldness comes from the Holy Spirit in you when you are born again. As I said before, you are filled with the Holy Spirit. That's scripturally. The Holy Spirit comes and lives within you. But if you want that boldness, if you want that power, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And that is a separate event. We talked about that at length before. So in verse 13, John, now, after he said that this has been perfected in us, we'll talk about judgment in a minute. After we've been perfected in us, he says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So now he talks about that. Why? Why does perfect fear cast out love? He, he talks about this perfect fear. It's not a trembling fear. It's not a torment fear. It's a reverent fear. The Greek word for fear, phobos. Where we get our word phobia. Where we get our word phobia. Claustrophobia, fear of closed places. Arachnophobia, fear of spiders. <laughs> fear of flying. Fear of heights. Fear, fear, fear of getting out of bed. Anxiety, fear of the future, etc. Fear of circumstances. Look around you. There is fear rampant in the world today. 
The world is gripped by fear. COVID-19, political scene, what's going to happen? What's this world coming to? What's going to do this? How's this guy going to run our country? What's going to happen here? What's going to happen to us? Fear, fear, fear. Constantly coming at us. Fear is the beginning of torment. We torment ourselves because we have thoughts of the past. We have thoughts of the present. We have thoughts of the future. But as a believer in Jesus Christ, we don't have to fear the past. We certainly don't have to fear the present or the future because we've experienced God's everlasting love. And that love is being perfected in me. It's being perfected in you day by day. And speaking of the fear of judgment here, this is what John is speaking of. We don't have this fear of judgment. Chrysophobia. It's a fear of judgment. It's the same thought as in 2.28 when John said, Now little children, abide in him. When he appears, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. This fear that he's talking about is not fear of the haunts that haunts me. It's not fear of the circumstances or things that threaten me or a combination. John's telling us and comforting us. He's encouraging us not to fear. You don't have to fear the judgment that's coming. You don't have to fear that because of the work that Jesus completed on the cross. Don't you see that? There is no fear in us. And in the Gospel of John, in chapter 5, I know what's going around here someplace. There it is. In chapter 5, in verse 24, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed them death to life. We don't have to fear the judgment that's coming. We don't have to have that fear because the perfect love in us has taken care of that. Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed for man once to die and then the judgment. By accepting Jesus Christ as our Savior, we have died and our life is now hid in Christ. We don't have to worry about that. And then we can cling and glean from Romans 8, 1. Therefore, now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. You know as well as I that Jesus took the punishment on the cross for us. He took the judgment upon himself. And because of that, we shouldn't fear the future judgment because it is past. Our sins have been judged on the cross and they will never be brought up again. So what does perfect love do? Perfect love casts out fear. The perfect love of God in our life casts out fear. And I love it. I looked up the Greek word, the correct wording. It basically said, love grabs fear by the throat and throws it through the window. I like that. I like that. One of you opened the window for anyhow. Anyhow. See, God wants his children to, love in an, to, to live in an atmosphere of love and confidence, not in fear and torment. We need not fear life nor death, for we are being perfected in the love of God day by day. Paul says this to the Romans, and you've read it before, and it is always so important for us to continue to read it. In this gorgeous, beautiful chapter of Romans 8, Listen to what he says. I'm going to read this entire thing because it's so important. We need to let it sink in. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. 
What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. 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 Take a moment and let that sink in. Let that sink in. There is nothing in all of God's creation. There is nothing past, present, or future that can come between you and the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. What fear can you possibly have? But yet fear grips us. It comes out of nowhere and it grips us. And we feel, we can't move. We can't move. What if? What if? What's going to happen if? I deal with it too. I'm the same way. We all deal with it. But as we grow in the love of God, our fear is quelled. It's quenched. You want to get rid of the fear of God? Start praising him. Want to get fear? Get rid of the fear? Turn on and start praising the Lord. Start walking around in an attitude of praise. I can guarantee that fear will be gone. I believe it will be gone. Because fear is not always based on truth. It's based on false accusations. It's based on assumptions that we will, what if? It's based on the what will occur. In fact, somebody came up with a pretty cool, an acronym for fear. F, false. E, expectations. A, appearing, are real. False expectations appearing real. Fear. They're false expectations. More importantly, fear forgets that God is God. That he is still in control. And John is saying that our relationship with God is marked by tormenting fear. If it is, it shows that we have not been made perfect. That is, we have not been made complete or mature in his love. But Dave, I'm afraid. I have fear, and I'm fearful of things to come. Do not fret, brothers and sisters. Do not be dismayed. God is ever working in your life. Remember, we're under construction. But we need to surrender everything to him. We need to surrender our fears to him. Lord, I don't know why this is up, fearing up on me, but I surrender it to you because you're in control. I'm going to surrender everything I hold dear to you. We need to allow him to be in control of our lives. We need to put all our fears at the foot of the cross. We need to put all our fears there because fear is not from God. Amen. Remember that. Fear is not from God. What did Paul tell Timothy? You can quote it better than I. 1 Timothy 1.7. I lied. 2 Timothy 1.7. I was close. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. The first step in dealing with fear is understanding that they're not from God. It's a significant step to say, this isn't from God making me feel this way. God hasn't sent this to me. And perhaps even some personality or maybe a weakness in the flesh or even a demonic attack. It's not from God. It's not from God. Recognize it and rebuke it. The Lord rebuke you. It's not from God. The second step in dealing with such fields is understanding that God has given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. 
When we do his work and proclaim his word, when we represent his kingdom, we have all the power of the Holy Spirit supporting us. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to jump in the ocean, and guess what? It's going to jump in the ocean. That's a terrible paraphrase. But we're safe in his hands. He's given us a spirit of love. It tells us a lot about the power that he's given us. Anybody think the power that, oh, I have power, I can control you. May the force be with you. Get out of here. No. It's expressed in how much we love and serve others. Our example, when we studied at length the supper, after supper, Jesus got up, took his cloak off and girded himself with a towel and bent down and washed the feet of all the disciples who were present at the dinner at time. And one of the disciples that was present at the dinner at that time was Judas. He washed the feet of him who would betray him. He washed his feet, showing that love. He did it in humility. The Greek word for sound mind is a self-controlled mind. It's a contrast to the panic and the confusion that the world wants to give you. You know, you have the power over the world. I have the power every day over the world. When I'm sitting in front of my TV set and something comes on that I don't like, click. I have the power. I can get rid of it. It's not in my head anymore because I'm not going to watch it. Because I won't want to go down that rabbit hole. I don't like from looking up from the rabbit hole. I don't like that. So I have the control over that. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of love and power. We don't need to accept what God has not given us, a spirit of fear. Just humbly receive what he has given us. Power and love and a sound mind. Why did Paul write this to Timothy? Because boldness matters. Without it, we can't fulfill God's promises and purposes in our lives. God's purpose in our life is not making money. It's not being entertained and great. Read all the words you want. It's not being comfortable, folks. It is for each of us to use the gifts that he touches us with to touch others' lives, to bring others into those kingdom. Fear and timidity will keep us from using the gifts that God gives us. God wants us to take his power, his love, and his calm thinking and overcome fear so that people will see that silly grin on your face and go, why are you having that stupid grin on your face in this terrible time? Because I know God's in control. And all this is just a blip, but it don't matter. It doesn't matter. And then John says in verse 19, this powerful, powerful statement, we love him because he first loved us. John begins by declaring the heart of every true follower of Jesus Christ. Simply put and boldly, we love him. It's something that every Christian should be afraid of unafraid to pronounce and proclaim publicly. Can you say that? Or are you embarrassed to say it? I love Jesus. I love Jesus. It's something that we should be on our heart. It shouldn't that we shouldn't hide away. I love Jesus. No, I love Jesus. Rooftops, shout out, right? God has initiated his love and his grace towards me. And I love him because he first loved me. I'm responding to that love. But I know that God, if I'm going to be able to respond to him, he's going to give you the power to respond. I must know the love of God. I must know his grace. I must accept his goodness. And I must accept where it all comes from. Jesus Christ on the cross. It all comes from that. I need to be aware of that because it's hard to respond to something that you're not aware of. It's hard to respond to that. God is the initiator. God loved us first. I respond by loving him back. This is why the New Testament writers, every one of them, wanted to draw your attention to the love of God and God's great love for you. We all revel in the fact that God loves us. 
We all revel in that fact. But does God know you love him? Well, he knows what's in his heart. Well, tell him. Tell him. I love you, Lord. Tell him. We need to point to the cross so you might see the supreme manifestation of God's love. Hope that it hits some sort of responsive chord in your heart. You know, we sing this song, and if you look at it, it has exactly what we need to do to see God's love. The writer begins with looking at the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, he's looking at the cross, he sees Christ has died there, and he recognizes some. How does he respond? My riches gain, I count but lost, and pour contempt on all my pride. Then he looks back to the cross again. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet on thorns compote or rich of crown? Again, he responds, where the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, love so amazing, so divine, demands my life, my soul, my all. You see that? We don't have to live in fear any longer. God wants to give you rest for your souls. A person living in fear is not living in rest. In Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, those beautiful words, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Lay your burdens down. Exchange burdens with me. Exchange yokes with me. Love is the basis for our relationship with God. God demonstrated his love for us and we responded to that love. And you know, and most of you know that my mind is crazy and it wanders and it does all kinds of things. But the entire time I was writing this, the entire time I was studying, the entire time I was praying, I couldn't get a song out of my head. I couldn't get a song out of my head. And it was a great song sung by Nat King Cole. His daughter Natalie covered it. And I changed it a little bit. Bear with me. I'm not going to sing it. I'm just going to pretend. It. It's very clear that the love of God is here to stay. Though the mountains will crumble, Gibraltar will tumble. They're only made of clay. But your love, O oh God, is here to stay. Have you experienced that love today? Have you experienced the love of God today in your life? Have you tasted and see that God is good? Have you allowed him to overwhelm you with that love and to bring you close to himself? Have you allowed him to wrap you in his arms of love, to tell you words of love, to show you his love in such a demonstrating way? If you have not, I suggest you look to the cross. Look to the cross and see the love of God hanging there for you, for me, for the entire world. Look to the cross and see that God loved the world so much that he sent his son, his only son, that die in your place. Look to that cross. If you're struggling with fear today, God is love. And in him is the love. And we love him because he first loved us. His love is perfect. And that love of perfection cast out all fear. This should help us to grow. Struggle no more, Christian. Draw ever closer to the Lord. And he will draw close to you. He wants you to experience his great love today. If you're having a hard time grasping that, I'm going to repeat it one more time as I close. Look to the cross. You are a Our time with you has come to an end today on A Sure Hope. But in our next edition, Pastor Dave Shank will continue teaching through the book of 1 John 
In the meantime, you can listen to more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Just search for Assure Hope and see the latest editions as soon as they're posted. If you're enjoying these teachings and would like to get more involved with the church behind this ministry, we'd love to meet you at Calvary Chapel, Cape May for a time of worship and Bible study. We meet weekly on Sundays at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. Feel free to give us a call for more information. Our number is 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. Otherwise, you can visit assurehoperadio.com for directions and more information. Perhaps you prefer email. If so, go ahead and email us with any questions at info at capewatchradio.com. You might be interested in knowing that for those who aren't able to come in person, we're streaming our services on Facebook Live and on YouTube. Just look for a link on our website at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for listening to today's message in the book of 1 John. We look forward to the next time as Pastor Dave will share more things that God has put on his heart from this New Testament letter. But until then, we encourage you to read through the Bible on your own and be reminded of God and that He is a sure hope.